Time is a podcast of the Unite Leadership Collective, hosted by Tim Allman and Jack Kalliberg. Lead Time taps into biblical wisdom for practical solutions to today's burning issues. Each podcast confronts real-time struggles facing the local church in a post-Christian culture. Step into the action with the ULC at uniteleadership.org. This is Lead Time. Well, hello, friends. Welcome to Lead Time. Uh, We're glad to have you here. Jack Kalliberg, and we've got Tim Allman here. And today we are going to be talking about uh, conflict in the church. Tim, we like to, at Lead Time, we like to talk about systems. We like to talk about culture, and we like to talk about structure. Today, we're going to be talking a lot about culture. (laughs) And especially, how does does a culture affect the way that uh, you deal with disagreements in the church? Can you disagree agreeably? What is the best way to come to consensus? How do we think more broadly about some of the arguments that we find ourselves in? We just recently, and we'll be talking more about this in the future, we just recently posted a video. We didn't do it. Actually, a good friend of ours did, former vicar. um, Joe Barron. Joe Barron, yep. Uh, put together this cool little animated, like three minute video, just talking about some of the vision uh, and the problems that the ULC is advocating to solve. And he posted it and it got a lot of comments. It got a lot of views on YouTube. It got a lot of comments, some very encouraging, uh, grateful comments, some very, um, I would almost say maybe even mean spirited uh, comments. Raises mean. some it was mean. It, it was mean, and it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. <laughs> <laughs> when people say mean things, mean. Hurts. I'm a person <laughs> with feelings. Well, and, and and this is to be expected when you go into the interwebs and you go into social yeah. media. We all know um, that that just goes just par for the course. You go in there, and there's right. just a diversity of how people behave, and some people are fantastic, and uh, some people will say things online that they absolutely would never dare to say ever in their entire life if they were standing in front of you. They just would never do it. But for some reason, uh, you know, the things that they will say online, it's like, uh, I don't know, like, like (laughs) acting like they're drunk, intoxicated, you know, you'll say, you'll say things that you regret, (laughs) right? Yeah. You you know, I've been thinking about that and and why, why is that? I think one of the reasons why people would pop off more online is there's depersonalization and human Mm -hmm. beings are created to look at one another. Like I'm looking at you right now, Jack, in the eye to see the nonverbals and to see how words actually impact people and then change the tone and maybe the um, content of what they're saying to soften and then to receive what people may say to correct their perspective. You can't, you can't differentiate intent and impact in a in popping off on a Facebook post. Right. Well, and there's emails, no way. Email's yeah. the same problem. People say like, email is not the best way to solve problems, right? If you're dealing That's with right. a complex problem, don't try and solve it by email, go talk to them. So, cause like you just read too much into the problem when you're trying to write, you're trying to assume too much about the other person. It's just so much more efficient sometimes to just have a direct conversation with people rather than kind of make it into a written debate about things, right? So exactly. we've challenged people. We've we've thrown out a challenge with some of the um, articles that we've written and even some prior podcasts saying, this is, this is how we're proposing to solve uh, the issue of pastoral shortage, how we're looking to solve potentially the problem of a big vision, 20 campuses in 20 years. We're talking about the use of our of uh, partnership with Kairos. And we've asked 
we've asked because we're saying we're, we're pushing um, an overture to open up colloquy. And we're saying if, if a candidate is has an MDiv and a conservative Lutheran program and agrees with our confessions and can you know be examined and, and that can be verified and a district president endorses that person, what reason, we wanna hear what reason, what argument do you have in scripture and in confession that that's inappropriate? And- I'll go one step further yeah. with that is if you are a leader that would be comfortable within the LCMS, We'd love to have you as a guest on lead time. Yeah. Let's Come talk. and have a, a robust conversation right. and we'll learn from one another. We'll learn different perspectives. This is a open, open space. It's just most of us end up talking in an echo chamber and right. uh, we become all the more resolute that our way is the right way. Um, and, and we're here saying we're just trying things to solve a massive problem. We're not saying that the, this is the only thing, meaning local leaders raised up, bivocational leaders raised up locally. That's obviously not the only thing. We, we have a, a problem in our denomination, and I think in many mainline denominations, it's black and white. Yep. This is a great thing. Like it, Jesus did it a variety of different ways. You know, the early church did it. So we're just trying to explore, let's say in a post-Christian secular culture, should we lean back more toward uh, the need to raise up leaders it, local? It's the term I called the false dichotomy. Yeah, talk about or, it. I, I dealt with this in the early leadership at Christ Greenfield. It's like, we are either, we are either going to um, focus on ministry or we're going to be fiscally responsible. That was, that was set up as a false a false dichotomy. Like you right. have to do one or the other, but you cannot be an entity that does both. No, we're gonna do both. Stewardship applies to organizations that care about ministry. So I'm gonna reject the false flag of the either or dichotomy, the false black and white. Jesus, right. you can you can be two things at once, right? And so what is yeah. the two things that, that we can be at once? We can be missional and confessional at the same time, these th two Please. things do not conflict with each other. These two things complement each other. It is a false See, yeah. dichotomy. <laughs> we get into these semantic debates about the word confessional. Yes, right. it is true. We have nothing to confess outside of Christ and him crucified. Amen. And then the mission to confess him evangelically um, to the world. And right. then to gather around a common confession or a statement of faith, the Lutheran confessions, to make sure we are staying within the boundaries of Holy Scripture and the way God has communicated himself to us in law and in gospel, right. through word and right. through sacrament. All of these things are consistent. It's just that our number one marching order throughout all of scripture is the Missio Dei. Now this is where it mm -hmm. gets, and that's the mission of God. Does Amen. the church exist for the mission or the mission for a church? Does the church have a mission or does the mission have a church? And we're saying right. the mission has a church. The fuel of the church is Amen. the mission of God to bring light to dark places, to right. elevate the name of the coming again, crucified and risen right. Jesus, who is imminent to return in a day and age when people are walking in darkness. I will get off my soapbox, but if we don't if we don't say we exist, yes, to disciple, this is one of the other false dichotomies, Jack. Right. Jack, we exist to disciple people after the heart and mind of Jesus, to feed people, and then to move those who have been consuming word and sacrament mm -hmm. to be contributors and partners in the mission of God and to bring the name of Jesus. Even proclaimers. proclaimers. 
Exactly. And so using these our confessions to understand how to do that well, right? Exactly. So these two things work together. The confessions do nothing more than teach us how to proclaim and, and you know, administer the sacraments appropriately, right? Yeah. It's pointing towards scripture. So the, the, they do a great job at that. But what is the end game? The end game is proclamation, right? In terms of the That's mission, right. right? There are unbelievers out there that have not heard the gospel, right? Because somebody has not spent the time to say, this is my calling to do that. They have not been developed into that. The church has not equipped them to do that. And yeah. Christ is saying, pray to the Lord of the harvest. The harvest right. pray is earnestly. Yeah. Hey, yep. hey, pray earnestly. Pray, pray earnestly to the that, Lord of the like harvest. This is like a fervent prayer. Right. Yeah. This is an earth. So this is he's this is a statement that he says to shape the culture of the church. This is what is urgent for you, Pastor, right? <laughs> Pray earnestly for other workers right. to be sent out. So I think, Jack, that um we have missed in the local church character formation. Um, we have talked logic and theology and systematics and all this kind of a head stuff, but our, if our character is not formed after the heart of Christ, if the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc., uh, patience, self-control, <laughs> if this is not being developed at the same rate as the content we are putting in our brains, or I would even say at a faster rate than the content we're putting in our brains, we are going to end up wielding the theology, the, the content that we have received as a sword. Um, right. and to hurt other people. Yeah. And, and this is why a lot of people leave the church is because you're filled with a whole bunch of jerks. Right. Like you guys believe these things and it's great to believe things, but how do you communicate them with love and care and hospitality and, right. and kindness and, and an ability to listen to other people before you, before you speak? We have not cultivated a culture where character development is, is mandated. And here's, here's one of the biggest things as we get into conflict. I don't think we have been trained and it is training mm -hmm. because it's uncomfortable right i don't think we've been trained to disagree agreeably right thoughts on that oh my goodness <laughs> so how you know how can you even get there how can you how can you begin to tackle some of the big problems um that the church faces in the post-christian society right if you're not willing to engage in uncomfortable conversations yeah and and I'll I'll put it this way we don't want to engage in uncomfortable conversations right um because that we're afraid of them and our fear is a lack of faith yeah our yeah, fear exactly. is a lack of faith right and a lack of faith and confidence in um the holy spirit who fills us and will give us to give us the words to speak. Remember Jesus, he said, you're gonna be brought before counselors. People are gonna disagree with you and want to take your life. And don't be afraid about what you're gonna say. It's not gonna be you speaking, it's gonna be the Holy Spirit. So mm -hmm. it is a lack of faith and trust and confidence in the Holy Spirit that, Lord, and this is to receive feedback, to receive um, correction, yep. and to give correction. I've been wrestling with uh, the appropriate use of shame in a book called The Other Half of the Church. If you if you want to if you want to Google um, the other half of the church, Jim Wilder is one of the authors, and it's it's a really really good book. And it talks about group identity, and in an American culture where we are hyper individualistic, um, 
the norms of the group or say the norms or values of the church have not been well established. Say Mm. the boundaries for character development have not been well established. And so he's got a continuum um, as we move and use both sides of our brain. So left is linear and logic, right is emotion, Mm -hmm. uh, feelings and attachment. So joy is the center point of the right-hand side of the brain, has said, love, agape love, I'm loved by Jesus and my arms, his arms are surrounding this group of people, connecting us one to another. We have a common confession, uh, a common union as we gather mm-hmm. around the table. Um, so there's has said love. Out of that forms a group identity. The ways, and often it's unspoken, right? We just don't do those things around here. So if you don't have joy, that's the foundation of a community. And and then love and care and compassion, and then group identity that gets formed out of that, you have very little chance to offer constructive correction. Right. And shame shame is a powerful emotion. And most yep. of the time we think about toxic shame. So the person who came at us and they obviously were competing, they were saying, you are a bad person. Um, how could you ever? You'll never amount to anything. They're coming at us with shame. That is toxic. That has no place right. in the church. But a person that loves me and cares for me and you've done this for me and I've done this for you and many people have done this for me and for us individually, Um, they say, you are loved, you are gifted. I love how the joy of Jesus comes alive in your life. But Tim, when you didn't receive that correction or when um, you've got too intense, Mm -hmm. um, that's just not the way we behave around here. And we is very important. Yeah. This is the way we behave. When we disagree, we are going to make sure, you know, our heart rate is coming down, the pace of speech is coming down. We're careful with our words because we know they can hurt. Like when people offer me that kind of correction, there's a part in my brain, Jack, and this is Mm -hmm. kind of wild. And it's because I've had a solid family foundation and really healthy church experiences. There's a part of my brain now that when someone wants to offer correction to me, I lean in. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to get to become, I mean, there's a part, I'm going to become more like Jesus. There's, there's a part of my life that's going to be shaped. I'm being pruned right now. It's not exactly pleasant. I have a tinge of, of shame, um, with the correction, but man, I am growing. This is discipleship. So if we miss appropriate correction, last point here, we are, because Jesus did it with his disciples, like over and over again. Right. Right, and they right, were drawn right. nearer to him right. rather than pushed away. Mm-hmm. So we need to work about with character development. Jack, right. go ahead. No. In faith, we've got peace. In faith, we have courage. If somebody comes to you with a word of correction, in faith, this should not fear you. This should not cause fear in you, right? Exactly. And so it's, it is liberating to know that you you in faith, like just the fact that somebody corrects you, it may be wrong. It may be right. If it's right, hallelujah, right? This doesn't undermine your value in the eyes of God. This person has brought you a blessing. If it's wrong, right. right? Like you go through a process to discern that. But even if it's wrong, you don't have to sit there and hold on to anger. He doesn't define, that person doesn't define your identity. And so if you can let go of these anxieties and these angers, all of a sudden now you can have these incredible conversations with people. And I've that that's something that I've found lately has been true for me. People have come to me over the last couple of weeks and months and have, you know, maybe it's a complaint, maybe it's something that they felt that they needed to correct me on. 
And there's been a change in my disposition right lately where it's like, oh, thank you for sharing that with me. I, I am yeah. sorry. Can we pray together? Right. <laughs> right. And, and that's different maybe than, you know, in the past where I might have gotten offended and angry. Um, and it is incredibly liberating to be in that place, to be in that yeah. place in faith. Yeah. And uh, the healthy individual who cares for you, cares for the ministry, um, when you receive that, you turn what could be an enemy into an ally mm-hmm. and uh, a partner in the gospel. So it's very, very important to receive correction and then to uh, appropriately give it. You know, the last two years have been filled with a lot of conflict and uh, it's been uncomfortable for me to be looking into a lens and to be seen (laughs) as a guy that just is a mouth, you know, that's talking and he doesn't really know me. And we did a brand change, Jack, about um, at Christ Greenfield three years ago. And I just had a conversation recently with a longtime member who just now is is moving to another church um, who's mad about about the the brand change three yeah. years ago, and did they did they come and talk to me? They did not, and so uh, they would pop off on on email and stuff, and and so I, I don't really debate on email. I'll make right. like one point and say if you want to talk, we're Let's talk, we're open, right? But yeah, it's just very. There's a lot of empathy in my heart because this person, I've not been carrying a lot of that, but this right. person, when they look at me or they look at a mark, a logo, they've been getting ticked off in their heart and that's hurt their walk with, with Jesus. Yeah. So we have to set space to receive correction and to offer it. And and there's, there's a way maybe to think about the, what, what a healthy culture in a church can look like, you know, like where I'm trying to cast this vision here. I'm going to reference this guy, Joel Esch, who spoke at our, at um, yeah. the district pastors yeah, conference pastors. here, Pacific yeah. Southwest. And he talked about this thing. He called it a pendulum that swings between innovation and orthodoxy. And he talks about right. the value of both of these things. Innovation is good. Orthodoxy is good. They're good at what they do. Right. So orthodoxy is creating systems that are repeatable. Like from the past, we know if we do this, it, it reliably creates this result. And so that's a lot of church history and culture and tradition is based on our that. liturgy, then, our liturgy. Right. Yeah. But then innovation allows you to talk to new people. It allows you to, it allows you to start relationships with, with new people that are, you know, don't have a Anglo German, <laughs> you know, uh, traditional background. They come from a different perspective, maybe a, a post modern post Christian perspective where they don't, value the same traditions that you do, but the gospel is for them. The gospel's for them. And they won't value the orthodoxy the same way that another person will. So he talks about this pendulum of swinging between orthodoxy and innovation. And if you go too far in one direction, right, there is a chance, there is a risk. And I think that's a lot of what people may be anxious about when we start talking in the ULC, that somehow we're crossing over the line from innovation into heresy. We don't want to do that. That's not anything that we want to do. Or, you know, others may be swinging towards orthodoxy so that they lean into legalism. That now the law has taken over the gospel and it's about the about the practice and we've turned the practice into an idol. And right. both of these places are un- unhealthy, but there's also this gigantic place in the middle that, mm. and I'm not even saying owning one spot, I'm saying own the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Both and this gets away from the gets away from the black and white the the false the false dichotomy, 
Let's be, let's be both and in that whole area. Let's do fantastic traditional worship. Let's do incredible contemporary worship, right? Let's be missional. Let's be confessional. Let's own all of it. We don't have to throw anything out. So one good handle based on a book as we're closing here, uh, Difficult Conversations. If you've not read the book, Difficult Conversations, and uh, you struggle with conflict, highly, highly recommend it. The book summarizes um, differentiating between intent and impact. We use this all the time Mm -hmm. here. You got to differentiate between intent and impact. And this may be um, when you're receiving correction, you know, someone comes at you, I can't believe the, my intent was not to say we despise Lutheran conf- the Lutheran confessions or our LCMS heritage. That was not our intent at all. Our intent was many people don't know who Luther is, um, let alone who Jesus is, and we want them to encounter the one whom Luther preached and wrote about, Jesus, the crucified right. and risen one. So that was our intent. But I understand that the impact to you was that you thought we were being heretical. We were dismissing all of our church history. And for that, I'm very sorry that it impacted your heart like that. Yeah. Have you used that handle, Jack? I, Yeah, I've used it where I've understood that, that the intent is one thing, but even though the intent is one thing, it may cause an emotional harm for somebody else. I'll say, I'm sorry I harmed you because of this. I just yeah. recently had a conversation with somebody who... Um, they had a difficult time in the school. They, our school, you know, and gosh, it went on for hours, this conversation. But the, the key thing was there's a person who wanted to be loved in a particular way. They wanted the, the community to love them in a particular way. They had an expectation and that ex, there's a lot of distance between that expectation and what we were actually genuinely able to do. And um, I, I'm not saying that person is wrong. It's just different. And it made me very sad. I was very sad about it. I wish we could have been that type of thing, but the reality is that we weren't. And so I was sorry that yeah. that thing, that experience caused harm. That's reality, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Um, this is really, so all of human behaviors are on a relational continuum. And our goal is to be in the middle. You talk about that pendulum. Another way relationally we can talk about the pendulum is connection and differentiation. So connection means I, I need you. Um, I'm grateful that you're in my life. And differentiating statements uh, say this, I don't need you because <laughs> yeah. Jesus, is, Jesus is all in all to me. He's the one who sets my identity. If we move too far on connection, we're fused and we become triggered very, very um, quickly. And then in the other end, we become a individualistic jerk. <laughs> that, and we're, we're divorced from a need for deep right. relationship. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the only one who made differentiating corrective statements and maintained intimate connection that catalyzed the disciples for love and good deeds after they received the Spirit. So leader, do not be afraid of the conflicted conversation. Pray to the Holy Spirit to help you lean in and and even enjoy it because you know the fruit that's going to be produced on the other side of it. And one last note from me, Jack, and then you can close, is if you are conflicted with anything we are doing or saying, 
please reach out. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. We will have you on if you're comfortable as a, as one of our guests and, and hopefully we'll make a new friend, turn someone who says these guys are enemies of mine into an ally and, uh, and maybe disagree agreeably and, yeah. and leave it, leave it at that. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just some closing words is, you know, just continued encouragement, um, to resist the false dichotomy that exists in, in any culture. Uh, you know, realize the wonderful, uh, mysterious um, uh, lens that Luther gives when he starts talking about the way that things can be held in tension, right? Mm-hmm. Body, you know, blood and wine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we just hold these things in tension. And so this is the great gift that we have as Lutherans is let's let's hold these things in tension. Let's be both and. Let's acknowledge even that there may be contradicting things between these two things, but miraculously God will make these things <laughs> work out, right? Exactly. So yeah, that's my encouragement. Also encouragement, if you want to you know continue to have the conversation with us, please visit our website, uh, uniteleadership.org. If you'd like to um, you know uh, experience some of the other content that we have, we're putting out. Um, blog posts all the time and more videos like that, go ahead and sign up for a free account on our website. And we'd love to stay connected with you. Log in. It's absolutely free. Join yep. the conversation there. And also, if you'd like a more personal experience with our Lead Time podcast, as well as the American Reformation podcast, please go and subscribe on YouTube, Unite Leadership Collective. Great job today, Jack. A lot of yeah. fun. It's a good day. Go and make it a great day. Thanks for joining us today. God on Lead bless Time. everyone. Peace. Later. You've been listening to Lead Time, a podcast of the Unite Leadership Collective. The ULC consults and brings together cohorts of congregations to build the culture, systems, and structures of intentional discipleship multiplication. To go deeper with us, create a free login on uniteleadership.org for access to exclusive materials and resources. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode.